You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. around the block ripping up fantasy stock working around the clock look at the view from the top researching rookies a lot no i just be listening to pods yeah one in particular i'm just a messenger let me just pass on the rock browning brunning bruning pronouncing ain't what he's doing what he's doing is not losing but infusing you with new things and there's dennis the bennett yeah the man is a menace yeah building a dynasty some of the finest things promise you you won't regret it Slice a fox, culture didn't pop, give him his props Here is a thought, here is a box And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try Careful with the news, but when you use a take I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire Because anyone else is a huge mistake Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby Go! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It has been an eventful week and uh, our friend Matt Bruning recovering still from many things. The Fantasy Football Expo, the Browns news, still scrambling to uh, get all those redraft rankings in order before we start our ranking shows next week. So he's sitting this one out leaving Dennis and I to finish the rest of the NFC East and talk about a couple of pieces of hot news. But before we get to that, Dennis, how is your Friday? Well, you know, you ever have one of those days where you're like, man, I can't wait to do my show tonight. And as you're driving home from work, you realize, hey, uh, the heat wave has come back. The cold stretch is over and I forgot to turn the air on in my studio. Uh, if I if I get a little extra glisteny, it's because I'm sweating a little bit up here in the this Ohio heat wave. Other than that, I'm, I'm you know I'm having a great day. The kids started back to school on Wednesday. Uh, so far, so good. Uh, everything's you know going like it should. Um, I, hell, I even now with the little one going to school about the same time as the big one, I've got like an hour and a half to myself before they go to work. I'm like hitting the spin bike. I'm, I'm, it's a leisurely ride. It's not like super high intensity you know i do have that heart issue i gotta worry about um but i you know things are going well i'm looking forward to having a great weekend well it's exciting because it's our first uh, live friday show together in a couple of weeks and also three weeks from today we will actually be doing the week one nfl preview that is how close we are to football games i can count. taste it if you can see me on the video I can taste it almost. 
Meanwhile, if you hear some like big rumbling in the background here, it's not a Mexican lunch that I'm recovering from. We're getting a few uh, booming thunderstorms this afternoon, so hopefully everything stays good. But, you know, that's a good segue into uh, this week where the news, the, the big boom of the news got dropped uh, midweek. Uh Deshaun Watson and the NFL came to some kind of a, an agreement, a ginormous fine, and his suspension moves from six games to 11 games, meaning he's eligible to return week 13 in Houston against his former team, the Texans. Dennis, what do you think about the outcome, and what does this mean for the Browns and for fantasy? I, I feel like the NFL could have suspended him for the season – went through all of the appeals and stuff and got to this point, you know, six months ago. Um, I, I don't think anything regarding his case has necessarily been a surprise. And to me, I, I feel like a season was, should have been the suspension. It does seem, you know, conspiracy theory-ish that uh, they went ahead and scheduled his first eligible game back against the Texans. Um, I mean, look, NFL, come on. Let's just – the guy did some shitty stuff. He's admitted to it mostly. And then you're going to play revenge game by letting the Texans play the Browns and now they're going to get revenge on Deshaun Watson being a jerk, kind of hanging him out there and leaving the – friend. I don't know. It seems a little conspiracy theory-ish to me, but – 11, 11 games is a weird number. I mean, is it is it 11 because they went to a 17-game schedule? Or is it 11 because it's Houston? Dun, dun, dun. Yes. <clears throat> Your tinfoil is showing. I don't know. I, I, I'm happy, I guess, about the fine. It's nice that the NFL plans to invest all of that money, which is a a decent sized record um, into kind of some support groups and, and trying to make a statement. I still 11 games is better, but still feels too short from a competitive standpoint. I still think I go back to it being a lost year for the Browns. It seems like they're content at this point to roll with Jacoby Brissett for 11 games over those first 12 weeks. And I think they'll probably be hovering around 500. The stretch when Watson comes back, that first game right off the, the bus is in Houston at the Texans, but then they're at the Bengals, home for the Ravens, home for the Saints, at the Commanders, and at the Pittsburgh Steelers. All of those teams, uh, with the exception of Houston, could have something to play for. And I have to believe that the Texans, if they think they're getting Watson, that's probably going to be their Super Bowl based on how everything's going. So I think it's no easy stretch. And as we saw, the the feeling has been Watson could roll off of his couch and be Q, you know, top 10 QB. He was playing the Jaguars in a preseason game and got a little taste of what he's probably going to get in every road game and possibly even at home games, which was some some salty sayings from the crowd, uh, which have to take some kind of a mental toll. I'm thinking there's going to be protests in almost every game he goes to. And his performance was, you know, one of five for seven yards, no rushing attempts. The Browns didn't do anything on offense. He's learning a new team, a new system, new teammates. There's zero continuity. And by the time he gets on the field in a game that matters, it will have been almost two full years because it's into December. Yeah. And then because he can't, he has to be away from the team while he's suspended, right? Yeah. How many games you give him after he comes back before he like grows a Fu Manchu and goes Hollywood Hogan? I don't know about you that. Think I'm but the bad guy, I'll <laughs> you bad guy. My my personal feeling is if you're acquiring um, Watson, and here we will set aside personal feelings about the man and just think about the player or the fantasy asset. If you're acquiring Watson, it's got to be with an eye toward 2023. And my feeling is whatever you get at the end of 2022 is going to be a bonus. Cause by the time you hit week 13, you're probably the last week of the season rapidly approaching the playoffs. 
I I don't know about you, but there's you know if I'm in a game that counts in week 13, there's a zero percent chance I'm sticking Watson in to my starting lineup. If I'm if I need to you know go big or go home, and it's a YOLO ball, maybe I'm throwing them out there. But if you're competitive, I I need to see it and. Then immediately after that, two very tough division games against teams that we think are going to be competing for the top of that division in the Bengals and the Ravens. I could easily foresee the Browns rolling him out there and him going 0-3 as a starter and struggling some as he's getting back into the flow before maybe picking up some games at the back half of the season. But I, I think really, for me, I'm looking, if I'm looking for Watson to be a contributor to me, it's with an eye toward 2023 at this point. Yeah, I mean, if the Browns are going to be in games and winning games prior to Watson coming back, it's going to be on the back of the defense. And when Watson comes back, and it's going to be on the back of the defense. Yeah, and Chubb. Can't, can't forget my man Chubb. I, the now that they've got Deshaun Watson with all he's went through, does Chubb have to change his name? <laughs> anyway, on to <laughs> other running back news. Uh, I thought this was worth a little bit of a discussion because or maybe was... should he change it? Not does he have to? I mean, we probably shouldn't call him Watson's little Chubb. That's know, right. Or the Browns' little Chubb. Uh, <clears throat> It wasn't an incredibly deep draft, but one of the guys that ended up being kind of a consensus top five rookie pick was Ken Walker III. Uh, Like the talent, thought there was an opportunity there in Seattle. Hasn't really materialized so far, and now word has come out that he's dealing with a little bit, I like as Pete Carroll put it, a little bit of a hernia issue. I don't know how minor, uh, when you use the word hernia, I start to, to tense up. But, Dennis, how are you feeling about Ken Walker and his 2022 prospects? So, just for the record, full disclosure, I had a hernia as a six-year-old. It was rough outside the popsicles. Um, as far as Ken Walker goes, I, you know, they, they've – it seems like hernia and core muscle injury are now kind of interchangeable – in a lot of ways and the surgeries that they use to repair them are not quite as invasive as they were back when old Dennis got his done back in 1971. Um, So I do think it's Penny's job to lose and there's no urgency as long as Penny is healthy. I mean, Travis Homer looked good so far in preseason Uh, DJ Dallas is sticking his head in there. I don't think either one of them are going to be world beaters. Um, But if uh, Walker's not back and Penny goes down for a game or two, you know, they they do have a little something to at least keep it rolling. But I think Rashad Penny is kind of, you know, he didn't get the fifth-year option picked up. He wants to show he can kind of be useful for a full season. And I think he likes the – he, he likes being the guy. Um, and, you know, I think when any, any running back that went into Seattle up until this year knew that Chris Carson was the guy. That was Pete's guy. Well, now Rashad Penny is Pete's guy, and Kenneth Walker has to earn it. I think when Walker gets the shot, I think he takes it and holds on to it. Um, but, you know, coaches are so full of shit sometimes. Uh, I don't know. When I hear Pete Carroll speaking effusively about Kenneth Walker's pass catching, I start to go, oh, no, the dude can't catch the ball at all. And so, you know, because he didn't do it in college, and so I'm like, oh, no. Um, I like Kenneth Walker a lot. I think that having him on your fantasy team, he's going to drop down depending on how the reports go with his expected recovery timeline. But what he was going off the board. Oh, I don't have Walker on there because we're talking about other teams. Um, but him and Penny were going around the same time, uh, within a round or so of each other. I, I like Walker a lot. Uh, um, I'm probably I, I was probably in the draft Penny first category, anyways. So nothing really changes for me there. 
Um, Walker is currently going as RB36. Penny is going as RB31. I think that's still good for Penny. I think Walker might slide back a few spots. The thing he has going for him is I loved what we saw from Rashad Penny at the end of last year, but uh, he has struggled to stay on the field and stay consistent. Um, you know, hopefully Walker can work his way back from a hernia. I think you and I were kind of in the camp that Walker wasn't going to be a top top 15 back this year anyway. But a lot of people, when you're drafting high in your rookie draft, are looking for that immediate help with a Brees Hall or a Ken Walker or even, you know, the people that banged up there and took James Cook, you know, pick six or seven. They're, you just are probably so d- desperate and depleted that you're looking for somebody to step in and have a boom right away. And I just – I never thought we were going to quite get that, and I think it was looking even more like – it might be more around mid-season before you start seeing Walker working his way back in there because it's recovering from the injury. But for me, too, young players missing camp reps and missing preseason reps and having to adjust and get into the flow of the game. And you're right, some of those other guys have stepped up and looked decent. Even good old Darwin Thompson had a touchdown last night. Um, But I think it's also very telling they have not played Rashad Penny in either of these preseason games, which makes it feel like he's pretty well locked in as the guy to start the season. Well, from one running back quagmire to another, as we begin this uh, last half of the NFC East, Suddenly, the running back position has become a hot topic for the Washington Commanders. The team finished. Uh, nine nine, eight. No, they were seven and ten. I, I messed that up. The Damn. team finished seven and ten last year. I think I actually put my projection for how, how I thought they were going to finish. They finished seven and ten last year, third in the AFC East. Uh, things just did not break their way. They've won seven games each of the first two years with Ron Rivera. One year it was good enough to win a division. The next year, third place and out of the running. (coughs) Their key departures, Ryan Fitzpatrick retired after playing, what, a quarter and a half for them. Brandon Sheriff headed off uh, to the Jacksonville Jaguars, the guard. Kyle Allen moved to the Houston Texans, and Ricky Seals-Jones went to the Giants. But never fear, the Commanders went out and made a trade with the Colts to acquire Carson Wentz, who formerly played with the Eagles and played against them to be their new quarterback. They also got Andrew Norwell and Trey Turner at guards to help bolster that line. In the draft, they went and got some weapons. They got Jahan Dotson out of Penn State at wide receiver, Brian Robinson out of Alabama at running back, and quarterback Sam Howell, who apparently today actually got some first-team reps, and I know that's got to make you a little bit excited, Dennis. But before we get to quarterbacks and passing game, I'm going to switch things up. Antonio Gibson has had a pretty decent couple of years. Last year, he crested over 1,000 yards, finished his RB10. But this offseason, they moved heaven and earth to maintain J.D. McKissick and then went up in the third round to grab Brian Robinson. Antonio Gibson, it's been rumored, has been running with second and third team and even getting some punt work. Uh, during training camp, should fantasy players be concerned? With running backs, I think after the top eight or ten, there's always the potential that they're they're going to be replaced. Um, I think that Gibson is still the best back on that team. Uh, he has some speed and explosiveness. Uh, that Brian Robinson doesn't have and that J.D. McKissick doesn't have. Um, He's a good pass catcher. He was a wide receiver in college for a while. I I know we want to keep hanging our hat on it. I think he's he's almost as big or a little bit bigger than Robinson. He's got good size. I I don't know what he has done to take up such a – you know, long-standing spot in the Rivera doghouse, um, but I don't know. I I think you. It depends on what your expectation is for uh, Antonio Gibson. So it was RB ten last year. He's coming off the board at RB twenty one in pick fifty seven. Um, 
that's what six that's late fifth round pick rb21 you know it's it's a spot where if i'm going rb heavy i don't mind having him as my rb3 but if i'm going zero rb i'm probably not taking him in the fifth round i'm, I'm gonna wait and i'm gonna grab somebody later I think I'd rather have Chase Edmonds over um, over Antonio Gibson. Now, I do think as a running back, Gibson has a higher rushing floor than Edmonds. So I don't think it's awful. I, it's been the ADP has been sliding as Ron Rivera has basically said, you know, JD, you're my you're my boy, JD, you're my boy. Um, you know, and they they seem to love Brian Robinson and. Uh, we could be trending towards a classic Philadelphia Eagles uh, running back where you've got a goal line back, a uh, receiving back, and a between the 20s back. And if Antonio Gibson ends up as the between the 20s back, uh, and that's it, it's going to be a rough, rough year, even at RB21 price. Sounds like a classic Patriots uh, backfield. <laughs> Yeah, you're right about his ADP sliding because early in the offseason, especially for that brief shining week when it looked like J.D. McKissick was going to be a Buffalo Bill. It was glorious, wasn't it? I, so much was soaring. I think it's been turnovers and inconsistency that have dogged, earned him the doghouse a little bit. He had six fumbles last year, which is not horrific, but probably isn't what Ron Rivera is looking at. And in the first preseason game, he put it on the ground again. That that probably is some of the reason, you know, it's hard to tell with a more old school coach like Ron Rivera, whether camp reps really mean anything because sure, Sam Howell took some first team reps at quarterback today. I have no, no concern that Sam Howell is going to be the starting quarterback on opening day. I'm sure it's Carson Wentz. And, so the ADP where Gibson is right now, I actually don't mind it for this year. It's dynasty where I'm starting to have a little bit of a pause because just as quickly as he burst onto the scene, you know, when he was first drafted, I remember getting him in the third round of some rookie drafts and, and ending up with a bankable starting running back. But just as quickly as he became a kind of fantasy darling for us, it can go away. I think there's a good chance that when you get to 2023, they they decide to do something else. But for this year, I still think he's going to be have a have a big role. I still have hopes that he can be a low end RB two. You are right, though. I worry, you know, if he loses the goal line work, you know, touchdowns can be a big swing. We talked about that with Miles Sanders uh, on Monday. He was RB 44, due in large part to the fact that he had zero touchdowns. He was kind of running out there when he was in the middle of the field but usually unless you're like a incredibly power running team you can pile up 2,000 yards rushing alone without getting receptions and touchdowns isn't going to do it for you and that's probably the inherent danger if you're relying on Gibson to be your RB1 or you're expecting fringe RB1 numbers I think you're probably setting yourself up for disappointment I'm hoping he can still land right around where his ADP is at RB21 and hold off those other guys but I think a couple of bad games feels like he's already trending downward if he fumbles on opening day I mean that we saw that happen with Ronald Jones last year Ronald Jones was a better looked like the better running back over Fournette the first year they were together in Tampa Bay. He made a couple of mistakes, and all of a sudden it was like, did Ronald Jones die? He got Jimmy off him. Yeah. So last year, Gibson had 258 carries for just over 1,000 yards and seven rushing touchdowns. So where are you projecting he's going to be at then, if you had to guess? Like, is he going to drop below 200 carries? Uh, is he going to – score two or three touchdowns like what do you think he has to hit to maintain that what rb21 draft position i mean i think he's probably gonna have to say so what i'm more concerned about too is he ended up getting three touchdowns and 42 receptions if he starts to ebb that back a little bit if he can stay around a thousand yards and five touchdowns as a rusher, I think he can 
he can stay in RB2 territory. I'm worried he's going to start losing the receiving work. And if he starts losing the goal line, you know, even if he runs for 1,100 yards, if you have zero touchdowns, I'm not sure that gets you into the top 25. I mean, McKissick only had 212 yards rushing last year and 43 receptions, but he only played at 11 games. Yeah. He's just turned 29. Well, and Gibson wasn't as uh, wasn't incredibly efficient as a rusher last year, only averaged four yards a carry. You know, so if he starts, let's say if he goes from 250, Jarrett Patterson looks like had 68 carries last year. You know, if Brian Robinson gets 120 carries and Gibson ends up getting more like 200 carries and he starts seeding some of the targets and seeding some of the goal line work, that's that's probably going to be problematic. Right. In the passing game, Carson Wentz comes in. He's new. Johan Dotson comes in to add them a, a little bit in the passing game. They still have Terry McLaren, who signed a long-term deal and should be a little bit happier. He was their wide receiver one the last couple of years. Eventually, uh, we could see something out of Curtis Samuel, who signed that uh, free free agent deal uh, last year and spent most of the year injured. Logan Thomas, a tight end, is coming off of uh, injury as well. So, Dennis, what do you make of the passing game? Obviously, we can tell Matt B. not a fan of Carson Wentz. Man, I I want – like, Wentz – is maddening because he'll be a really, really accurate until he's not accurate. And then when he's not accurate, he's just not, 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 not accurate. Um, I feel like he's better than what they had last year, especially if you, if you take Fitzpatrick out of the mix. Um, Which he kind of took himself out of the mix. (laughs) So, you know, a lot of the issue with Wentz, I think, is that he tries to do too much. He just tries to make plays that he, he just doesn't have the ability to make. And while admirable sometimes, it does get him into some hot water. And what, coming off it, he's, you know, uh, fantasy players are not buying into it. He's coming off his QB 26, uh, pick 111.6 in super flex league. So if you're going zero QB, welcome to the team, Carson Wentz. Um, You know, Howell's going at QB 42 and QB 37 for dynasty. But, you know, Howell is with his own set of limitations. And I don't know that there's anybody between Howell and Wentz that are going to be able to step up and I just don't think either one of them can put this team on their shoulders and carry it down the field, even with Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson uh, and a returning Logan Thomas and Curtis Samuel. Uh, I think they've got some good players. I think Washington's downfall is they just need a, they need a well above average quarterback to lift the play making skills of everybody else. And I don't think Wentz brings that to the table. I think that's reflected in his ADP. I think it's reflected in um, the general perception of him that if you have him and you have to start him, it's like, ah, well, whatever. That's all I've got. But people aren't actively seeking him out. And I I think that, um, you know, I'm sure he doesn't care about fantasy. but it's, it's going to be a tough year if he gets pressure from the defense and has to start making decisions real fast and, and trying to do too much. I, I do have legitimate concerns about his ability to be productive above that QB 26 draft spot. Well, and even though they they added Norwell and Trey Turner at guard, I think there's still questions about Washington's. Now, I love Norwell as an Ohio State fan, but he's had a rough couple of years. 
Well, that's, I mean, they're still probably in rebuilding mode. Their best tackle, Trent Williams, they sent to the 49ers and have never really totally replaced that. Brandon Sheriff was probably their best guard and ends up going to Jacksonville. They're trying to patch some things over, but that could also have an impact on the running game. I was surprised when I was looking at fantasy finishes. Where do you think Carson Wentz finished in 2021? Uh, I think it was like QB 9, 10, 11, somewhere in there. Well, not that high. He was QB 14, though. It was higher <clears throat> than what I felt like I remembered because um, it didn't seem like it was an incredibly successful season with the Colts, probably because they got drumrolled by the number one seeded or the, the number one overall pick Jaguars to get knocked out of the playoffs. Um, you know, and there they had a lot of great rushing game that I think took some of the pressure off Carson Wentz. It'll be curious to see what he does here. He should have some familiarity with these NFC East teams. Um, and he's probably got potentially a deeper pool of weapons than they had in Indianapolis. I like Michael Pittman a lot, but they didn't have they didn't have a lot of world beaters around him. He's got another good pass catching running back. But when it comes to the passes, so his, you know, QB 26 feels like a little bit low. I, I think he'd probably be a low-end QB 2. Um, I don't know if he gets up to 14 again. Some of that was probably due to injuries around. Uh, with Terry McLaren finished as wide receiver 25 last year. He had 130 targets, caught 77 passes for 1,053 yards and five touchdowns with the other pass catchers that they're kind of working in. You assume Curtis Samuel is going to be available for more than the nine targets he saw last year. And Jahan Dotson coming in. Adam Humphrey saw 62 targets last year, was kind of the second leading receiver. It'll be interesting to see where all these targets come from. I feel like McLaren's probably safe in that 20 to 25 range. So going at wide receiver 17 right now feels like a little bit of a reach. I don't know what to make of Dotson's going at 59. Um, I don't think it's a bad pickup for Dynasty, but I'm not sure I feel completely confident that he's going to have viable week-to-week starting ability uh, going in. And Samuel's going up wide receiver 76, which makes sense because who even knows? Um, I think Thomas is a little bit of a wild card too. He's currently going as tight end 28. Last year, Washington put a lot on the tight end. Logan Thomas was only available for six games, but all told, they sent 99 targets to the combination of Ricky Seals-Jones, John Bates, and Logan Thomas. And Ricky Seals-Jones, who ended up starting playing in 13 games and was the primary kind of fill-in for Logan Thomas, saw 49 targets, 30 receptions, 279 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Logan Thomas had already had three touchdowns uh, before he rolled out. And we've seen Wentz both in Philadelphia and at times last year with the Colts kind of like to favor a tight end. So that could be a place with some sneaky value if we thought that Thomas is going to be fully recovered. I feel like he's one of those injured players, though, that we don't hear a ton about. Yeah, I as I sat here thinking about it, I was like, is he back from the injury? Is he, you know, taking part in training camp? Because it, it's almost like he's just such an afterthought. You, you hear some John Bates, you see Samus Reyes, uh and his story as an international player, but I just don't. I just haven't heard anything about Logan Thomas. And then I thought, well, I don't know. Maybe is it because now he's going to be thirty-one and he's a converted quarterback, and so the shelf life is small. He's been injured. I mean, so, Thomas, Thomas flashed for a couple of years and was a, a nice, a nice grab at tight end in redraft leagues late. So he tore his ACL in. It says it happened in week thirteen, which he must have missed time before that because they only played six games. Uh, it says his outlook. He, he played in six games. Yeah. Uh, says it's likely he could end up starting on the pup list, but there's really been no updates. And that comes from July 28th that said he will begin the season on the pup list. There is no timetable for his return. Yeah, so it may come down to just how well John Bates is playing. Do they rush 
Thomas back or not. I think well, and I guess I forgot his – yeah, I forgot his injury was so late in the season too for a tight end. Could be, you know, because week 13, as we just said, would have been the beginning of December. It's not that long ago. Yeah. All right. Well, the Commanders, as I mentioned, have won seven games each of the seasons with uh, Ron Rivera. That was great in 2020. Not so great in 2021. They made the move for Carson Wentz, and that vaulted their over-under win total to eight. So the over-under is eight for Washington. Do you think that's right on? Do you think they can do better? You know, I think anything can happen, but as much as I want to see, I, I'm I'm more I, I feel like I'm more on the Giants than I am the, the Commanders this year. Eight's probably the right number, but I'm going to take a slight under. I think they just get seven wins again. Yeah, I mean, eight feels like a really good number. I think they're an eight or nine win team. I do like them a little bit better than the Giants, but I not I don't think they'll probably make it back to the playoffs. I would like to push, but I'll take the slight over and say they can get to nine. Well, speaking of uh, going over, pushing, or hitting the limits, what's the latest deal from DraftKings? Football fans, join the next generation of fantasy football with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game from DraftKings. It's the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Now you can play all season for millions in prizes by building the ultimate NFT franchise. Right now, everyone can get their first full roster starter pack for free. playing, Playing Rainmakers is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player card NFTs of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions on DraftKings Marketplace. Craft lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and earn points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, just like daily fantasy football. Build your NFT franchise and enter free Rainmakers football contests all season long to compete for millions in prizes. The next generation of fantasy sports is here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now. Sign up with promo code TPPN. That's TPPN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in to get your first card free. Plus, play for millions in prizes all football season while building the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN. Build, play, win. Only at DraftKings. Contest entries dependent on the type and number of NFTs held, eligibility restrictions apply, void where prohibited, prohibited. see DraftKings.com for details. Man, I struggled on eligibility last time, too. I guess we all struggle with our eligibility. Well, the final team in the NFC East and in our season previews, is fittingly the New York Giants. They finished 4-13 and last year, fourth in the NFC East, led to a major house cleaning. Uh, they got a new GM. They got rid of uh, their coach, uh, who went back to the Patriots and is now uh, hoping to run that offense into the ground. Should be exciting. Uh, they also saw Evan Ingram, the tight end, roll off and go to Jacksonville for the Jaguars. Kyle Rudolph, the tight end, headed to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Cornerback James Bradbury went to the division rival Eagles. Cornerback Logan Ryan went to the Buccaneers. And safety Jabril Peppers went to the Patriots. Key additions, Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, comes in at head coach. They picked up Tyrod Taylor to add depth at the quarterback position. They added Ricky Seals-Jones and Jordan Aikens at tight end. In the draft, they went out and picked up Juan Dale Robinson at wide receiver. They got Daniel Bellinger at tight end. And their biggest draft pick was probably Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive end, uh, who went early in the draft. What? <laughs> lot to consider here. Uh, we're going to start with the running backs for the Giants as well. Saquon Barkley was highly, highly touted coming into the league, and he had an incredible rookie year. He has struggled mightily since. Do we see a resurgence? 
I think we do. I, you know, they've invested some capital in the offensive line the last couple of years. And with Barkley, it's really been about health. And I feel like he's healthier than he's been in a couple of years. He still seems to have all the moves, all the speed, all the power. And it seems to me like the Giants think so, too. Uh, because their top backups are Matt Breida and Sandro Platzcomer. Um, it's they they don't have anybody behind him unless they go sign somebody. I I, I mean, how much do you really expect out of Breida? Uh, Gary Brightwell, Antonio Williams. As I look at their running back room, I I think Barkley could lead the NFL in snap percentage by a running back based on the quality of backs in the backfield room. So where would that have you pegging him as a fantasy finisher? Cause you know, when he first came out, it was like consensus top three running back. And even for the first couple of years, he probably stayed there in dynasty. We've seen him kind of ebb down a little bit. I mean, he's going off the board right now at RB 10. And I don't think that's, Terrible. I mean, if you look at the, it's, it's the probably one of the most injury prone positions because you've got big guys running fast, getting hit hard by bigger guys. So a lot of the guys in front of him in ADP, Derrick Henry, uh, Christian McCaffrey, guys that have suffered injuries and players are likely to suffer injury again. So you can build that into your draft stat strategy as much as you want. But I think at, at running back 10 uh, and pick 32.6, if I can get, if I'm picking early in the first and the draft rolls back around and I can go ahead and grab uh, Saquon Barkley in the top half of the third round as my RB2 to pair with, I don't know, Christian McCaffrey because I'm feeling as Bob Harris would say, I'm risk agnostic. Um, everybody gets hurt. So I, I like the value there. Uh, I think if you go, if you start a, you know, a wide receiver, wide receiver, let's say you go Cooper Cup early for pick, pick 104 and you go, uh, and the CD Lamb or Stefan Diggs at 210, you come back around then and grab Saquon Barkley as your RB1. I think that's a, a great start to a draft. And for me, you know, I want to, I, here's where, here's where my many league bias gets in the way because there are times where when I'm drafting, I'm like, I just don't have any of these guys because I've been risk avoidant in most of my drafts. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to draft CMC at one Oh three. I'm going to draft Saquon Barkley at 303 and I'm going to draft somebody at you know 2 210 that maybe has some injuries because if they stay healthy which they've done before maybe not all in the same season recently uh, you could have a very very powerful team so I I like Saquon Barkley's value I I don't know how high the ceiling is because I, we don't know what the offense is going to be under uh, Matt Dayball with Brian Dayball, Brian Dayball with Brian uh, Danny Jones. Um, you know, we have an idea what we think it's going to be, but it's you know Dayball's the head coach; he's not the OC. Certainly, the offense is going to have uh, his thumbprint on it, um, but. You know what we don't know a lot about Mike Kafka yet. Yeah. So 2019, Barkley finished as RB10. Um, he played 13 games, saw 217 carries, rushed for. Just over a thousand yards, got six touchdowns, had 52 receptions for 438 yards and two touchdowns. Last year, he played in 13 games, only saw 162 carries, only mustered 100, 593 yards and two touchdowns, did catch 41 passes for 263 and two touchdowns. I think his 20, 
22 year is somewhere in between those. I think it's going to be hopefully better than what we saw last year, but I'm not sold. He's returning to the glory of his first two years. I like him better in the running back 12 to 16 range. So 10 feels like a little ambitious for a couple of reasons. I'm not sure what to make of the Giants offense. I'm not sure the Giants offensive line is top shelf yet. They've been working on it. They've gotten some picks. Sometimes they seem to make some progress. But also, if we are running a system that Dayball has been using, you know, if you looked at Buffalo, Buffalo was pretty successful the last couple of years. They were a power running team, exactly. Um, and so that's a little bit of probably the concern for me when it comes to Saquon. I do agree with you. There's no one behind him um, that I'm worried about. And it's probably just about him staying healthy and what kind of workload he gets and what he can do with it. Let's say, you know, last year he got 162 carries. In 2019, he got 217. If he can get 190 carries, you know, and can can get – you know, 70 targets and maybe 50 reception, he'd probably get up to RB14. And I think that would be a pretty successful return for Barkley, which is interesting to think about that being where we are after what he was as a rookie. The Giants offensive player that's facing arguably the most pressure coming into this year is quarterback Daniel Jones, who enters year four uh, on something of a hot seat. Um, some At some points this offseason, the management seemed to endorse him, but it's seemingly been a lukewarm endorsement since they didn't pick up uh, a fifth-year option. What are you expecting from Daniel Jones? Well, I'm not expecting Tyrod Taylor to take his job. Um, I think Jones is in the – depending on your whether you're a glass-half-full or a glass-half-empty guy uh, – he's in the position to determine what his next contract looks like. He can go out there and he can ball out and he can get franchise tagged by the giants, sign a long-term deal with the giants, uh, sign a long-term deal somewhere else, or he can go out there and fall flat on his face. Um, I know that he hasn't lived up to expectations uh, at this point in his career, trying to get to his uh, career numbers here. Um, so what only a 62.8% completion percentage uh, last season was as high as 64.3. I think what happens with him sometimes is he tends to overthink it and, and not have faith. We're seeing a lot of reports about Kenny Galladay um, looking stiff and old. And then that, puts the pressure on second-year man Kadarius Toney and uh, rookie Wandale Robinson. Um, as much as I would like to uh, think Sterling Shepard is going to be able to produce, uh, talk about a guy that can't stay healthy, I don't mind drafting Shepard really, really late because I think he can be productive, but he seems to uh, – I, I think he's going to lose his job to Wandale Robinson – um, simply because Robinson stays healthier. The interesting thing will be, you know, when the season starts, does Kenny Galladay sort of pick up the pace? Because the, the Giants did sign uh, Colin Johnson, six foot six wide receiver out of the University of Texas, that's kind of had a nondescript NFL career to date. But if they want, what Dave all wants is he wants, Jones to to not be afraid to take some chances and then put the result behind him and move on to the next play. And I think some of that's going to come from having a big receiver like Galladay or Johnson make some plays that you were like, I don't think it's going to happen, and you throw it anyways. Johnson is going to have to – or Jones is going to have to learn to overlook those kinds of mistakes that don't – that don't really lead to anything. If he throws a pass and it's a little outside and it's off the hands, move on to the next down. Um, he has does have a propensity to turn the ball over in his career via fumbles and interceptions. 
I want to believe in Jones. He's a good athlete. I want to give him opportunity. And I think I'm going to take – I take him over Wentz. He's coming off at QB 25 versus Wentz, who was at 28. Um, I think I'd, I'd take the chance on Jones over Wentz, uh, in part because Jones does have that mobility and can do some things with his legs. And as I say this out loud, it occurs to me maybe all of a sudden – Brian Dable's going, well, hey, we let Josh Allen run a lot, and maybe all of a sudden Jones becomes this dual-threat quarterback that uh, he only accidentally fell into before. But will he trip and fall before he gets the end zone? That is the question. I, You know, at times last year, I didn't think it was all um, – Daniel Jones' fault. It seemed like the Giants under Joe Judge were incredibly dysfunctional. They could never get, you know, they have a million wide receivers, but getting any of them to be healthy and productive on the field seemed to be an incredible challenge. At the same time, I still just don't know. I'm beginning to think that that entire 2019 quarterback draft class was just a fart in the wind. Um mm-hmm. You know, win some, lose some. We, you know, we won't belabor poor Dwayne Haskins because he he had a tough fate. But Drew Locke, you know, there. It seems like every year people go in with optimism about Locke. He was supposed to start that game last night and managed to get COVID, which on the Broncos uh, team message was they're like, does this guy get it like four times a year? Anytime something important is going to come up because it feels like he does. He doesn't seem to be able to beat out Geno Smith. And I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Tyrod Taylor at some point this season. I think Daniel Jones, they're going to try to run him out there all year. But I still think the Giants are going to be in something of a rebuild and will probably be looking at taking a quarterback when they hit the draft. And part of that is the complete uncertainty. You know, you have Wandale Robinson, Kadarius Toney, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, apparently Colin Johnson. Kenny Galladay. I don't know who I'm believing in. I want to believe in Kenny Galladay. I've I loved Kenny when he was with Detroit. I thought it was a weird signing when he made it, and it didn't seem like they knew how to use him last year. I have some kind of faith that Brian Dayball's system will make better use of his skills, but you know, he's going as wide receiver 61. That feels like a decent spot to take a chance on him. Wandale Robinson going at wide receiver 80 feels like a real decent shot to to take something. I'm not as sold on Kadarius Tony all the way up at wide receiver 50, which doesn't seem incredibly high. I just don't know what to make of him and if he's going to stay out there. And I'm with you. Darius Slayton was fun for a while, like three years ago. Um, but... It's. I thought it was ironic. He's not really even going drafted right now. And Sterling Shepard coming off of injury, dude doesn't seem to be able to stay healthy. Took basically kind of a one-year pit and steal, probably because he knew he wasn't going to get it anywhere else. I'm not sure I want to be banking on any piece of the Giants' pass offense week to week. Because even tight end, you know, Ricky Seals-Jones had moments last year with uh, Washington, Daniel Bellinger, as a rookie, could have some opportunity. I don't know what they're doing, you know, week to week. I think if you're relying on Giants to fill out your starting lineup, you've probably, you're probably in something of a rebuild yourself. So I was listening to Sirius XM in, uh, a couple of days ago, and I think it was Jordan Renan who covers the Giants, and he was saying that uh, he, he was asked the question, if you had to pick a Giants wide receiver for your fantasy team, who are you picking? And he said, Kadarius Tony, because if he's healthy, he's going to lead the team in catches. So I'm uh, I'm climbing on board the Kadarius Tony train. I mean, they did. He was a first round pick, I believe, right? I mean, they took he was. him. Up. It's pretty decent. He's, he's, draft the, he's the reason but, that Urban Meyer drafted Travis Etienne. But at the same time, Tony was the first round draft pick of a defunct administration. There's the GM that took him and the coach that was there when, when he was brought in are all gone. 
I do wonder sometimes how much of a toll it's taken on Daniel Jones that he's on his fourth different offensive system in four years. Uh, we've seen that with a lot of quarterbacks that just, you know, for whatever reason, they the straw they draw is that, yes, you get to play in the NFL, but you don't get to have any offensive system continuity. Good luck. And I think tough. I was – I was reading somewhere the Giants haven't won seven or more games since 2016, and yet their over-under is seven uh, for this year. Probably some optimism about Brian Dable. And, again, I loved what he did for Buffalo. I'm excited for him to get an opportunity. I wish it had been with a better team. But how are you feeling? You said uh, when we were talking about Washington that you were more on this Giants team. Are you bullish on a seven over and under win? Um, I, I wish the number was 6.5. <laughs> I think uh, I'm going to take the over. I think they can pull eight wins. I don't think they're going to have a great season. Um, but I do think they're I, – I believe that Dayball is going to manage the team in a way that's going to allow people to make plays. I think Saquon Barkley is going to have a really good year. I think it's going to take a lot for them to say – Daniel Jones is our guy. I feel like this is a team that's going to go veteran quarterback next year. Uh, they're going to let Jones walk. They're going to try to get somebody that that is fairly established that's a free agent and, and come in. And Jimmy G, on down. Maybe. That might be the guy. Um, but – you know, because I just don't – I don't think they're going to pick early enough to get one of the elite quarterbacks. I think they've – and I don't want to use the word bridge quarterback because I feel like it sells short what they're looking for. I think they're looking for a veteran that's, you know, ready to take a team to the playoffs and win. Maybe Jimmy. I don't know. I, I still think he lands somewhere this year. I don't know where, but – Baker Mayfield. <laughs> You know it won't be Sam Darnold. They probably saw enough of him. Yeah, you, know, right. you know, watching play it across the street. Yeah, I I like Dable, but I think their better years are going to come after they they start to turn this offense over. I wouldn't be surprised if they start to make a few other moves to try to clear out some of what was taken and retained by the Gettleman um, administration. I mean, honestly, what they should do is they should approach it like a fantasy team and say, uh, Saquon Barkley, you're on the block. And they should go out and they should get some draft capital, move Barkley to a contender. He's he's looking healthy. He's still young enough. Get, get a, a premium pick for him and move on. Take some of the other guys that, you know, are, are lesser assets and and just shit the bed this year and and have better picks next year. So yeah, that I mean that is kind of how I feel. Whether it's sometime during the year this year or at the end of the season, I, I think it's possible they move on from Barkley Galladay. I mean, there was a lot of questions when Barkley went where he went. And, you know, that was a that was a pretty big investment, and they have never really been able to figure out the quarterback or offensive line for him. You know, he probably. Made the mo made more of opportunities than were actually there as a rookie and in his second year, and then injuries have kind of taken a toll. But this entire offense has felt dysfunctional. I'm hoping they look at least a little better and more functional, but I still think they're in the five to six win range. So I'm going to take the under. Cave on Thibodeau, baby, cave on Thibodeau. I that could be it. You know that could be a good. Play. And you never know with the NFC East, to be perfectly honest, because we all thought Philly was going to be last place team last year, and they won nine games and made the playoffs. So who who even knows? The wrong injury to any of these teams feels like it could take them out. Yeah. Well, that brings an end to our previews. We will be back on Monday next week. We start going three days a week. So if you uh, aren't feeling like you're hearing enough from us, just you wait. Just you, you wait. wait. On Monday, we are going to look at our top oh, did I do 24 or 25. I think it's top 24 quarterbacks. 
uh, for redraft purposes. And then on, we will be doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And so we will round out the rest of the week looking at our top 40 running backs, 1 to 20 on Wednesday and 21 to 40 on Friday. Dennis is looking at the sheet and hopefully I didn't err. I, looks you good. Know, I memorized good. it. So. And we're hoping uh, Matt will be recovered both emotionally and physically uh, and existentially uh, to be with us again next week. But until then, Dennis, what do you want the people to do? I want you to go out and rate and review. Give us a listen, download. You don't even have to listen. Well, I guess the review you have to listen. You have to listen to at least five minutes for it. Take it till you make it. Listen to five minutes. Give us a review. Give us a five star rating. Hit the download and subscribe button, and then move on with your day. See you Monday. Right on.